0: I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor of all things and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 204th episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. We'll talk about the markets. We'll talk about what we're investing in. We'll talk about Chinese balloons over nuclear sites. We'll talk about the police going wild. We'll talk about the gold dump. We're, of course, going to talk lithium and Patriot battery metals. We're going to talk about alligators, catfish, <laughs> and meat plants. Mr. Hodge, how goes it for you?
1: It uh, it goes very busily. Uh, you uh, well know that uh, we were in Vancouver until earlier this week. I had some issues getting back, both of us. Um, so good <laughs> to be back. And then, of course, you have to do the old uh, digging out, um, figure, figuratively on my end and figuratively and literally on your end, because you came back to a snow or ice storm in Austin, Texas. So I'm um, getting caught up, but uh, feeling good. Um, you know, some stocks are working, some, um, you know, the newsletter side of things is, is working and um, feeling good about the new year.
0: No, listen. Let's um, let's get right into the conference. It's funny. Um, uh, I had issues getting there and <laughs> coming back, so I missed my flight on Sunday. I arrived on Monday. By the time I got to the actual conference hall, I got to see your excellent uranium panel. I know you had a presentation earlier on touching on uranium. I must say, um, the the, the crowd was as robust and eager as I've seen in some time, and we'll get to that in just a second, but you know, after after the delay in getting there and making the most of it for, you know, that day and then the following morning playing catch up with a few people, my flight was then delayed because of this ice storm, icepocalypse, as I call it, that, you know, affected a lot of the country and really hammered Austin, Texas, right? We um, I ended up having like seven flight cancellations over a two-day period. Um, no complaints, was stuck in a nice hotel with a nice restaurant, just missing the family, of course, and getting used to working off a laptop, but Let's get to the, um, the the feeling and the vibe of the conference. I know it was very productive for the both of us, a little bit more productive for you than I. What were your thoughts on the conference? I mean, I saw people on the floor sitting there waiting to hear you speak. that has been a bit since we had that.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a different vibe for sure. Uh, much better markets than we had last year. Um, especially regarding lithium and uranium and, and and even gold, which is up or was up some three hundred bucks until this recent sell-off that we'll talk about as well. Um, but they just had that conference in May. So um they normally have it in January. The the most recent one was last May, and I I was told there was about fifteen hundred people there. And then they had this one um in twenty twenty three, the one we just went to, and I was I was told there was around five thousand people there. So um, more than, you know, more than what, w- tripling essentially, yeah. how many, how many people were there. Um, and the sentiment was good, especially for the uranium things, which tend to generate rabid retail interest anyway. Um, yeah, I was on uh two uranium panels and the one that was in the smaller workshop room, um, had people sitting on the floor and packed all the way out the, 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 uh, opening of the, of the workshop room. Um, there's lots of things that are working and interesting and there's lots of tailwinds all the things we talk about all the time right uh, Megatrends, electrification of everything mm-hmm. battery metals base metals and so um and gold was doing well so people seem to be interested in, in a lot of things i was you know popping in talks here and there and and then they were very well attended and so um i, I think people are are excited that we're in a new commodity super cycle and uh, they're interested in doing their Diligence, one thing that somebody said to me, and and, and I think this is actually true because I, I walked around and looking afterward, they were saying that the company presentations weren't as well attended, but the you know, the the newsletter writers, uh the 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 you know, the not pop culture people, but you know, people who had a following, um, their talks were really well attended. And so I think, you know, people are trying to figure out what the, you know, the quote unquote experts are thinking, starting to do their due diligence and and thinking about wading into this market. Um, I also talked to several subscribers, um, uh, both uh, of mine and and former Dynes subscribers, and and they had very nice things to say. I heard some great stories about Mr. Dynes and the money that he made people. And then um, you know, I talked to one gentleman who came all the way from Alabama with his son, um, who was a fairly new member of uh, Foundational Profits and Hodge Family Office. And and it's almost uh, too much weight to bear. He introduced me to his son, and he said, this is Nick. He's the he's the one who's in charge of your inheritance. And I was thinking, oh, man, that's like a pretty big responsibility, right? It would be diversify your bonds. But, uh, you no, know, this the sentiment was, was, was good. The the exhibit hall was lively, and uh, I got lots of new ideas, and I got to catch up with some companies that I already cover. So how did you find it?
0: The uh, same, same. Everyone was eager to speak, uh, met some very, very neat people, met, you know, a, a few subscribers, caught up with a few other people that, you know, were lucky enough to get into Patriot early on and have been following, you know, our work there. Um, really satisfying conference. Again, outside of being frustrated that I could make it back oh, on time, it was, it was really productive. Even morning breakfast, you know, I ended up having several conversations with several companies over breakfast when really all i was trying to do is go have some coffee downstairs at the lobby right but that's exactly what we were there for so i felt good about it coming back um you know we had several companies that reached out to us while we were there and subsequently that you know want us to to help tell their story and introduce their stories to the audience and you know we tend to be pretty selective with our stories we like to be early to stuff we like good management teams and good assets and you know it's a tough business it's high risk it's high reward it's highly speculative. And I do, I know you do too, feel a responsibility to vet out the stories and make sure that we're we're bringing stuff to the table that we feel has a shot at making people money. And that's really the criteria, right? I'm not in this to build mines. I'm not a geologist, and I sure in the heck, I'm not an engineer. I'm in this to make money for myself, for my family, and my subscribers, and our audience. And so I say that to say that not every story we're going to bring to you is something that we think is the best project in the world or the smartest CEO on the planet or the best geologist on the planet, but maybe they're very effective at marketing and that can go a long way, right? There's different ways to skin a cat. There's You can trade your way around a profit. You can keep long-term positions around a profit um, or you could do a combination of both. I mean, me in my personal life, I can tell you that I have an account just for my long-term private placement stuff that I'm going to buy and hold and let that play out for the most part, unless my investment thesis changes. And then I have a trading account that, you know, I, I get busy in almost every day, right? I'm in and out of stuff. And and that's my highly speculative money. And I I, I absolutely love what I do for a living. Um, but but you have to know the difference between those two. And again, nothing wrong with a promotional play if they're going to promote the right way and at least, you know, be forthcoming about the fact that that's, that's the game that they're playing. And it's our responsibility as newsletter writers, I think, and as editors to make sure that we put ideas in front of our audience in public that, you know, give you a chance of making a buck. Again, we're never going to get them. All right. Nobody is. Um, but man, it it was satisfying to hear some of the feedback and some of the commentary on, you know, not just Patriot, but, but the several other companies, although of course Patriot dominated the, the, the bulk of the conversations because look, we're celebrating a 10,000% gain. It's hard not to get excited about a 10,000% gain when a lot of people followed me into that really early on. And so, It's fun to make money on my side of it, but it's really fun to make money for other people and help with an idea that worked because some of them are not.
1: It wasn't just conversations that you had. I mean, Patriot was the bell of the ball, and (laughs) they weren't even at the conference. I mean, (laughs) I was talking to people on the exhibit hall floor about it in the the hotel lobbies and and the bars. You know, everyone knows uh, now what's going on there, and it's truly turned into a a land grab, land play, closeology type thing with lots of companies now um, you know, flaunting their land holdings in, in Quebec and then the same St. James Bay, or the James Bay region. So, um, well done on you. I mean, you were the the first guy to call that out and get people into it and,
0: wood um, you
1: know, I, yeah. I hear people bragging about being in at two and three and four bucks and, and you had people in at 16 cents and, and, and 34 cents, I believe it was. So, yeah. um, that, those are life-changing gains and the emails are coming in as well for, from customer service.
0: It's, it's, it's nice to get the kind words. I appreciate y'all writing in. Um, I I, I've had a couple of notes just today asking about the potential. And, you know, I had one gentleman that you mentioned getting in at a couple of dollars and, you know, he said, I got in at a couple of dollars. This has been amazing. I mean, you know, the amount he told you, I won't put up there, but he's done well for himself. And he said, when do I get out? So let me give you all, you know, my, my, my investment thesis. I have a pretty robust position in Patriot battery metals. I think you know yesterday, I may have sold. I'll give you the exact number because I know they'll hold my feet to the fire on this, right? I don't want to tell you how many shares I have, but uh, da-da-da. okay, so I sold point zero two and a half percent of my position yesterday, and minimal, and I did that because I have a tax bill that's due, a loan that had to get taken care of, and some other responsibilities and commitments I had to make. I still have ninety nine, you know, eight percent of my position. And you know, because privately we've had these conversations, Nick, I am absolutely willing to ride out that position as long as I can possibly ride it out. Financial commitments aside, right? Because we all have mortgages and tuitions and all of that to take care of. Um, I say that to say, I don't think we're anywhere near where this is going to end up. And so here's what I see happening. We just t- touched new all-time eyes almost every day this week. It was a nasty little short attack on February the 2nd that lasted for about an hour and a half um, that took the stock down from like the $15 level down to like $12.75 before it closed right back near the $15 level. Today's Friday, February the 3rd. The shorts did not want to go in short over the weekend. And let me tell you why. This is what comes next. I know there's rigs on the eastern side of CV5 where that deposit is returning some incredible widths and some incredible grades, right? 25 meters of some 5-something percent lithium oxide. 15 meters of 5% plus lithium oxide. So I know there's rigs on the eastern side that are targeting that extension. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to suppose that because they put extra rigs over there, that those grades are are, <laughs> are continuing to to, to to hit on step outs. That can add tonnage really, really quick. I also know that CV13 assays are due. We have 14 holes there. I've seen the 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 sheet there that's on the website. If you look, folks, of 30 and 40 meter widths of lithium pegmatite lithium spodumene pegmatite uh, mineralization. So you can you can't guess the grade, but you can guess the widths pretty consistently. The company's been really consistent about putting that out there and letting you use your imagination. I think we're closer to a 200 million ton resource just on CV5 alone than we are 100 million tons at this point, Nick. And so I, I wrote this to subscribers of one of my services earlier. When you look at a chart of Patriot Battery Metals, it's really easy to get caught up on the fact that, it's funny, I'm having this conversation with family members and friends. But Gerardo, you're in at 16 cents, you have 25 cent warrants, you have a boatload of this stuff. Why not pull out this, you know, life-changing number of, 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 of dollars and just sit on that? And the reason is I don't look at the number, folks. I look at the potential. I look at the value. And when I look at peer comps of 200 million ton, and three hundred million ton uh, resource base companies in the space, they're not they're not valued at a billion and a half or two billion or three billion. Th- those are much higher valuations. And mind you, they haven't benefited from the excitement of a growing discovery because this initial resource estimate that we're going to get over the next few months is just that it's 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 a peek at what's there. We have I don't think we've even drilled the best uh, pegmatite clusters yet. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that that's to come. I think we'll see that. But what comes next? I think you're likely to do, see a financing year in the next month or two. I mean, we talked off air. If they issue 10 million shares at 25 bucks or 30 bucks, they can quickly raise 250, 300 million dollars with minimal dilution and never have to go to the market again until they're ready to make a production decision. I think when they're ready to make a production decision, I think they're going to have suitors more than willing to come in. Like GM just came in with Lithium Americas and write a check and say, we'll build the facility, just give us the supply. And then we'll pay a premium to the market if you give us exclusivity on all of this. So when I look at a maiden resource estimate, five rigs turning, multiple rigs on the east side of CV5. I look at the holes from CV13. I look at further exploration later in the year and a potential offtake with with a major partner or partners. And then I look at the connection that the non-executive chairman has with Pilbara. In my mind, I don't care that I'm in at 16 cents. I'd be happy to be in today at the closing price of $16. I'd, let me repeat that, folks. I would be happy to buy in today at the closing price of $16. I told you, Nick, I felt dirty selling that 0.02% of my shares. I didn't want to do it, but I had commitments. And, you know, man of my word got out of the commitments. And so, look, I think the best days are ahead of us. It's been a fun run. Um can you pull back? Absolutely. This thing always does that. It runs 150%, it pulls back 30 and 40% and then it does it again. But man, we hit new all-time highs, I think like two or three of the last two to three days of the last week. So if that doesn't tell you how bullish I am, I don't know how else to communicate it to you. Um, and Patriot's not the only thing that's working in the lithium space. Our latest recommendation's up over a hundred percent. It's barely been a month. Yeah, do will tell them what that one is. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> They're um... going to have to earn that one.
1: And that's ten thousand percent, by the way. Sixteen cents to to, to sixteen dollars is um, a giant win. And you know, in these newsletter promotions that that we produce and that others produce, you see a lot of gains tossed around like that. This is um, you know proof positive that gains like that are, are are possible in the the resource market. Most people only uh, imagine them or, or dream about them or, or cherry pick past examples that they weren't a part of. Here you have. Sure. A, a real company that you were actually a part of and you know what else i'm seeing less of um you just mentioned you know gm coming in to to help is lithium america's right yes sir um, it, it build their mine, and um that's lithium right to stop like their um you know looking at some alternative battery technology or there's, you know, something's (laughs) coming in to kill lithium. This is one of the biggest, let me
0: drink my lithium water.
1: (laughs) This is one of the biggest, uh, you know, automobile manufacturers in the world coming in to, to secure their supply of lithium because, um, it's lithium batteries. It's something that I spent a lot of time talking about late last year when I was seeing all these other, you know, promotions about different battery chemistries and the end of lithium. And I was, I was telling you week in and week out, no, like those batteries aren't real no automobile manufacturers are adopting them like they've <laughs> all built these gigafactories that produce lithium batteries even if the chemistry changes a, a little bit right um you know using more or less nickel or more or less cobalt or you know lithium iron phosphate batteries they're still all like lithium based right and and that rush continues to be on and and simon Moores from benchmark continues to to pound that as well he was at the vancouver resource investment conference <laughs> and i sat in on his talk and in seen some of his slides but you know he's like Literally dozens of new lithium mines need to be built um, over the next 10 to 15 years to, to satiate the demand that has um, already been created. This is like base case stuff, right? This isn't like increased EV goals or, 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 or more tenacious carbon reduction goals. This is like what's already been announced. Uh, and so will that many new mines come online? Probably not, he was saying, because... You know, existing mines will get bigger and people will add capacity and, and things like that, but it's still going to require a significant amount of new supply coming online. And um, that's why prices for lithium are going to remain high for some time. So, yeah, um, have fun drinking your, your, whatever, electrolyte water or um, talking about the, the death of the lithium ion battery because you're wrong.
0: You're way wrong. And and there's been a lot of money that can have been made and by you keeping haven't made it as simple. much
1: money. You didn't, you weren't in. You weren't in an alternative battery at 16 cents that went to $16. You're doing a disservice to yourself and your subscribers by touting that shit.
0: And that was going to be my next point. Sometimes, again, I premise myself on, I pride myself on being, you know, a person with simple premises, simple ideas, and just things that kind of seem obvious to me. And then in this one, again, just a lot of it just seemed so obvious and continues to. I actually pulled up my original recommendation for Junior Resource Monthly today and it's amazing to me that that was December of 2021 where I I, I you know, wrote it out for the service. I had financed it in Junior Resource Insider a few months before that, but I was reading through that. Everything in that initial write-up rings as true today as it did then. It, it, again, just a simple premise. There's no need to get cute with your subscribers and your audience, folks, if you're a newsletter writer, when you can just make money with the truth. You should be telling the truth anyway because it's a tough enough business. To be getting cute and creative with some of the bullshit that goes on is beyond me. I don't understand it. Um, and and kudos to know that those that don't do it that way, right? The bread Cooks of the world, the Jomo Zumdars of the world, the Simon Moores of the world, who, who, by the way, they do phenomenal research. That's one of the few sources that I actually don't triple check everything when it comes to numbers and, and, and timelines because they've proven themselves over many, many years to be very, very reliable ahead of the trend. And, and, and conservative even in their uh, bullishness for the sector. And so, look, I I just gave you a bunch of names on where to do some due diligence outside of us. Go to Simon Moore's Benchmark Intelligence. Go to the Brent Cooks and the Joe Mazumdar's who do you know a different kind of speculating, but are, are very very reputable people that we 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 can say are reputable. Um, and you know, if you want to high risk high reward, it come come on this way. And if you know you want to be a tad bit more conservative. Nick Hodge is as good as they get out there in all the sectors. He's agnostic. I'm just a simple resource guy. You do it all, Nick. So it's a boatload of options for you people to make some money, people. Uh-huh. Let's get into the markets. Um, heck of a jobs report. Sent gold from looking real cute and pretty to all of a sudden being nasty and wanting to argue with me. <laughs> no, I haven't even had my coffee yet. What you doing, girl? <laughs> like it took a big, big spin around. I was telling a close friend of ours earlier. Gold is like that really, really pretty girl that wears all the right shoes. She's got the red bottoms, the outfit's amazing, the fit is phenomenal. God, every couple of weeks she wants to argue, right? And you <laughs> you, <laughs> and you don't want to get rid of her because damn it, is she cute? And man, does she got a mean walk on her? But God, that mouth getting her in trouble sometime and irritating the living <laughs> the heck out of you. So that's my analogy for Gold right now. I'm a man, that's how I process it. If you're a woman, you can imagine a guy... That's rich, but he's horrible looking. And every couple of weeks, he says something funny to keep you around. You know, we got analogies for both genders here. If you go that's that funny. way, for those of you that go both ways, you could just intermix them. Uh, but yeah, gold. Uh, look now, now gold looks weak again, Timmy, after that jobs report that sent it tumbling. And silver has never looked strong um, on a sustainable basis for the last year or two to me, any anyhow. Thoughts on gold? Thoughts on the overall markets?
1: I think it's a healthy consolidation for gold. And and I mentioned as much could happen last week. I think I said that, you know, trees don't grow to the sky and that even if gold did sell off, there was pretty significant support at the 1875-ish level, uh, which is about where it is. I think 1865 or 1869, I saw it close at today. So I think that's a, it's a, it's a buying opportunity um, to, to get into some quality gold positions um, if you haven't already. Either individual equities or, um, you know, ETFs, GDXJ or SILJ yep. or, or something like that. I think it presents an opportunity. The, the jobs number is an interesting one. Look, you yes, know, um, Powell raised rates again. No surprise there. Another quarter points, twenty five basis points, however you want to however you want to say that. And you'll likely get one or two more of those before the federal funds rate is topped out. Um, and employment is one of the things that I've been saying. Well, not is one of them, but is the thing that gives them the cover to continue hiking. Right? We've gone through the the softness in housing, and then the softness in um, you know manufacturing orders, and then the softness in earnings, which we which we actually are seeing now um, to some extent, and then I can get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, and then ultimately a, a contraction cycle culminates with layoffs, which we're not seeing yet. Um, uh, on the jobs report itself, what did it come in at that five hundred and what, seventeen or five hundred eighteen thousand yeah. jobs? And, and there... the expectation was like one eighty six or something along those lines, right? So something's broken there when the expectations are off by by that much. I haven't figured out or looked into what is broken, but I, one of the things I, I read was that you know the, some of this is people looking for two and even three jobs, and and so that's not a sign of a of a healthy and and, and growing economy. That's a sign that inflation is eating away at. Uh, people's ability to pay their bills, which we've seen reflected in not just record credit card debt, but you know people who typically pay their bills on time every month in full are now having trouble paying off their credit card every month. Um, that's people that have money because they pay off their credit card every every yeah. month. They're starting to fall a little bit behind. So um, it, it gives them cover to hike more, and uh, I'm not sure what it pretends for the, comp- the economy. We're going to have to wait and see. On earnings, it's been a mixed bag, right? Um, You know, some of these companies did really well. I think, you know, Facebook was up um, 15% or something the other day, meta, I should say, in a single day. Um, And this is after they, you know, laid off a ton of people, right? Um, They come out with decent earnings. And if you look at the earnings growth of the S&P, which I've been talking a a lot about, it's actually positive. Um, Not negative, which I've been saying. we still got half the companies to report. I yeah. think we're just over 200 companies that have reported. And then some people are shitting the bed. Like Apple came out this week and had earnings. And, and their we're earnings- hurting it. <laughs> 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 and, and, that, and Apple's earnings growth was negative 10%. And, so, and then the stock went up uh, after that. <laughs> they, they said that the earnings were down 10%. So we're we're in the, a phase where um you know the whole bad news is good news good news is good news good news is bad news the market is is having <laughs> trouble figuring that out um and one of the new phenomenons that you know keith mccall's been talking about but also the financial times is having a tough time figuring out is these these short-term export expiration uh options i don't know if you've read anything about that but these are options that expire in one day or less like mm-hmm. you buy them in the morning they expire by the evening, they were representing well over fifty percent of the option volume in the S and P. And what's interesting there is that you know we talk about the VIX and how there's no volatility. Well, the VIX only looks at options that are that are out, you know, a longer duration than that, right? So they don't look at the these the short term options, which is uh, throwing a wrench into the market. All that to say, um, this bar- bear market rally has grown quite long in the tooth, right? Um, if you look at the trend line, the the S and P has actually poked its neck above it. It's, uh, these next couple of weeks are going to be make or break to see if you know we remain in a bear market or if um, uh, the S and P turns around, which I continue to believe. So we'll see what this next batch of earnings do. Um, the, the other half of the S and P needs to report, and um, I guess the last thing I'd add there is that it's still being buoyed by energy stocks. Like if you look at the the, the, earned, the earnings that are coming in strong, it's the Chevron's and the Exxon's that are propping the the whole thing up. So. Um, interesting period for sure. And uh, there's just some stuff to figure out over the next couple of weeks.
0: And look, not getting any simpler to figure out. We're now sending no. tanks to the Ukraine, right? I- initially, you know, Biden and the administration came out and said it would be madness. We would start World War III if we did that. We have no plans on doing that. That's happening now. I've talked about the silent Cold War with China and how China wants to be, you know, the big man on the yard. And um, look, we just found a Spy balloon over U.S. air that initially everybody said, "Oh yeah, sure," you know, it's just a decoy. But China came out and said, "Nah, that's our balloon, our band. It just our so it, it just so happened to fly over very sensitive nuclear sites all across the country. Oops, um, it's not going to get any calmer geopolitically, right? We have copper mines in Peru, some of the largest in the world, shutting down because the locals are tired of having to beg to make a livable wage, right? And I'm not blaming that on the mining company. I'm blaming that on the government that's put them in that predicament. And what they see is an opportunity for upward mobility and they don't see the upward mobility being extended to them and they're frustrated. And this is a sentiment that's growing around the world. So when I take geopolitical uncertainty, when I take the the just stupidity of our political class, especially here in America, but largely throughout the world on all sides of it, It's not going to get any easier to forecast some of these things. And so, again, I think we really should be focused on brushing up on our jurisdictional risk. Um, I am taking some risk off the table as it relates to certain countries. Um, Subscribers will get that first, obviously. I am starting to get overweight into jurisdictions like Quebec and overweight North American stocks. Um, On the uranium side, I just recommended a, a, a trade that's heavily focused on domestic uranium uh, projects here in the US. And so look, there's actions to take defensive actions, but you can be aggressive with those defensive actions. If you're able to take those defensive actions in a sector that has overwhelming positive fundamental sectors, like the lithium space sectors, like the uranium space, you can do both, right? One of, of you know, my, my favorite boxers of all time, Sugar Ray Robinson was, wasn't just great offensively. He had some great defense to him as well. Roy Jones Jr. another one. He can make you miss seven punches before he hits you with a knockout punch. So you can do both. You can be defensive and also be aggressive. You just have to know when to say when as the old commercial says, right? And that's what that's what we try to do here. and Hopefully that helps for some of y'all.
1: Yeah, and a tip, you know, outside of the newsletters and the re- recommendations on how to spread risk. Uh I don't know if you saw, you probably did. Sprock was out with a bunch of new ETF's this week, right? So A lithium one. Uh, there's a lithium the a junior ETF, right? There's yeah. a copper junior ETF, and there's a now a uranium junior mm-hmm. ETF, and, and these are some smaller companies that are in there, um, for sure. So you don't have to necessarily um, be right by picking individual stocks if you don't want to take, you know, my advice or Gerardo's advice, or you don't like buying individual equities that are, you know, uh, penny dreadfuls, as Rick Rule would say. Um,
0: fifth you fifth. can
1: buy these new ETFs that do a pretty decent job of spreading out that risk and owning some of the co- the quality junior stories all in um, uh, one single basket. So um, you want to spend some time researching those. I was scrolling through the holdings of the uranium and the copper one this uh,
0: week, and they look pretty good. They got 2% of their holdings in Patriot. I couldn't help but notice that in the lithium ETF. So that was interesting to me. Yeah, anyway, I'll say my personal story about when I told them at 50 cents that this thing was going to five bucks. (laughs) (laughs) They started laughing at me and kept telling me to sell all the way up. Anyway, another story for another day. Any thoughts on the Chinese balloon? They just happen to float over nuclear, sensitive I mean, nuclear sites. You have got to be fucking kidding me, right?
1: Oops. That's a recent, it's a recent story. <laughs> I haven't, you know, had a chance to dig into it a lot. You say over top of nuclear sites, more specifically over top of uh, intercontinental ballistic missile sites. Um it's very high, so people were saying, "Why don't we, you know, you know, shoot it down with a plane?" Um, it's like at a hundred thousand feet, and an F sixteen can only go to fifty thousand feet. I'm not sure if it can shoot to a hundred thousand feet. I'm not a military strategist or expert, uh, but we haven't taken action yet. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting is. <laughs> Um, I saw a lot of snarky tweets about, you know, if you're worried about the balloon, you should probably de- delete TikTok off of your phone, right? Something like 80 million Americans have uh, TikTok on their phone, which is uh, a Chinese app. And so I know there have been some efforts um, in Congress to, to to ban that app, but we'll see where, where this goes. But definitely, you know, echoes of, of a Cold War and in, in, in intelligence gathering and in, in posturing and, in, um, you know, elected representatives getting... worried about you know technology that comes from um you know china and you know that translates to other places right um like who was i speaking with about uh, who the hell was i talking with about china's influence in the in the metals markets um oh it was stephen quinn and he was talking about the antimony and um, you know, he would go to the U.S. government and say, hey, guys, like, where are you going to get your antimony from? And they were like, oh, we just, you know, uh, we can buy it from Acme Supply Company or whatever. And and Stephen was saying, yeah, but do you know where that antimony comes from? And they were like, no. And it's like, well, it says, like, stamp right on the bag, like, you know, processed in China or whatever. And then he was like. Um, he was talking about some other country. I forget if it. I think it was Bolivia. He was like, "Oh, we can get it from." They, they were like, "Oh, we get it from Bolivia." And Stephen was like, "Yeah, but the Chinese own all the mines in in Bolivia. Like, where are you going to get your antimony from?" And it took them literally a decade to realize that China had locked up like all the supply for antimony, right? And, and that's just one metal or, or mineral that we're talking about there. And it, it's similar with the processing uh, capabilities for for lithium and for. Uh, the copper and, and and rare earths and on down the line, right? So that that Cold War is really making uh, countries uh, rethink, um, you know, where they get their their raw materials from and who they let invest. You know, it, we didn't talk much about it on this podcast, but you know, Canada came out uh, in December, I believe it was, and said, you know, we don't want Chinese companies or, or state-owned corporations investing in uh, Canadian lithium assets, and so yeah. it told companies to divest um uh, have their their Chinese investors divest and uh, yeah that uh, kind of went off topic there and you were talking about the balloon but the balloon is just sort of one of the things that are that are, that are there um and you still got Russia to deal with you mentioned the tanks and stuff like that you know uh, they're starting to talk now about sanctioning Russian uranium for example and so um a, a lot of tailwinds that come with these unfortunate geopolitical events but um Again, if you had the foresight to sort of think some of that stuff through as as your investment thesis like we have, um then you sort of you sort of knew that all that was going down, right? And and, and you position accordingly. I'm not there I'm not out there owning, you know, uh companies that are backed by China or or the, you know, Chinese ADRs or anything like that. I'm I'm very conscious of jurisdiction as well.
0: Yep. Yep. Well said. Um Why why does Biden's own like legal team and like advisors? Why why are they trying to get him out of there?
1: Every well, week they put I, I think out... They,
0: they every, don't think like, he
1: can win the election, I think.
0: Every every week his personal attorney says, I'm recommending that the FBI go raid this house over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recommend, And I'm looking at this and I'm going, with Trump we knew <laughs> that it was his political enemies that were leading the charge to go and find classified documents. With Biden, it's interesting to me that it's all his own staff And it's all his side that's like, Ooh, but have you looked there? Okay, I know you found it in the Corvette, but have you looked at the beach home? (laughs) Oh, by the way, the Hunter Biden laptop, that was a real thing. We were just kidding about the fact that it was Russian misinformation. And it seems like every week they try something new. And much like when Trump had scandal after scandal, I think people on both sides are so fed up with politicians in general that everybody's like, what will be will be. (laughs) Let's just let it play out until something breaks.
1: I mean i don't have much to add there i haven't followed Hmm. the stories too closely as you know and it's not just him i mean you know other top level officials they found documents at pence's house for for example and so it's just one of those things um i take it back to the two-tier justice system right there's um justice for me but not for thee and um um or vice versa depending on who's saying it but yeah they operate with a different set of rules and and seeming uh, impunity um and and you, you talk about you know maybe tongue in cheek about them wanting him out of there, but you know I often wonder what's the next election going to look like, right? I mean, you know, I don't see Biden having the energy level and 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 the approval rating to to go out there and um, you know beat like a Ron DeSantis. So and I, I I don't think Kamala can win. I mean, she makes me cringe, and so. Uh, There's nobody out there for me that's like, oh, yeah, I'd vote for that guy. So the next election cycle is going to be interesting, as they all are. But as far as the documents themselves, yeah, I haven't paid too close attention.
0: So, look, if you follow this podcast for quite some time, you all know I have a childish brain. So here it comes, right? While you're saying all this about the documents, um, I'm thinking everybody's doing it, right? And then immediately I thought about the Tennessee police officer. (laughs) That... Literally was just kind of and listen, no sex shaming here and no slut shaming here. I have nobody to judge anybody's sexual habits or appetite. I don't like it when it interferes with professional, you know, um, environments that could affect the livelihood of somebody and that we're gonna we're gonna segue into Mr. Tyree Nichols here in a little bit because that was also in Tennessee, though that was in Memphis, but you know, I, I I just thought everybody's doing it and I thought about that female officer. So for those of you not up to speed, there was a female officer in Tennessee that was fired. Um, for inappropriate relationships with a large contingency of the police department that she worked for. And, you know, the part that was problematic for me is that a lot of these um, hookups, uh, orgies, trains, however you want to describe them, were happening on the clock. And I don't have any trouble. With, in her own taxpayer you know, uh, property, right? And that's the part that gets me. I have no problem with anybody doing whatever the heck they want to choose to do with their own personal life. You want to be gay, you want to be bi, you want to swing both ways, you want to have orgies, have at it, have an absolute blast. Make it consensual and be safe out there, folks. But I do have a problem with this stuff going on on company time with taxpayer dollars when you should be out serving and protecting, which is what you should be doing. And I've seen a lot of the memes and a lot of them are hilarious, but all of the stuff sure. focuses on the actual sexual behavior. And that to me is the least problematic part of it. The most problematic part about it is that it was happening on company time. So when I see that happen, and then be, again, because my brain just makes odd connections sometimes. And I think about Mr. Tyree Nichols and the the, the, the absolute execution via a beatdown that took place um, in Memphis by off, when this kid was just driving to his mom's house was blocks away from his mom's house, pulled over for a traffic stop, and was literally beaten to death. I mean, I, I don't recommend anyone watch the video because I watched it. I tell you, it, it, it made me hurt for humanity and it made me angry, Nick. Um, but he was, you know, he, he was given 71 contradicting commands during a period of 13 minutes and they absolutely beat the living life out of this kid. Um, I don't think that one culture of irresponsibility is very different than the other one as it relates to we think so little of our citizenry that we can have an orgy on company time in company vehicles on company property while we should be out protecting and serving because we don't really give a fuck about you which is the exact attitude that the officers and i hope they put these assholes under the prison right but i hope they put them in general population for a little bit just to see how tough they really are just get them in there for a couple of months let them let, let, let them go get busy I have no more words other than to say that it's an absolute tragedy. I hope that Mr. Nichols' family finds some sort of meaning and peace in this horrible, horrible modern-day lynching of a human being via a beatdown that was just horrific. Um, and yeah, well, again, we need to hold our institutions a whole hell of a lot more accountable because you've said it many times, Nick. Everybody talks about bad apples and bad apples and right. bad apples. It wasn't just the black po- five black police officers. It was the sixth police officer who happened to be white and the color doesn't matter to me, right? Happened to be white who tased him and said, I hope they beat the living shit out of this guy. It was the EMTs that let this boy sit there, this man sit there for 20 minutes. Yep. 20 minutes on the ground, bleeding internally with his head busted open like a piñata and didn't render any aid. Zero CPR, zero treatment, zero oxygen. None of this stuff. It, it It's just, I can't believe in 2023 we're still doing this. And I don't have any other words other than to say with some of these institutions, I I, I am not a defund the police guy, but I assure in that because I, I, I come from a town where I know the consequences of having zero law enforcement, but this approach to law enforcement can't continue. There has to be a revamping of the system. I want better trained officers. I want more accountability. I want qualified immunity to end. Yes. I want obviously. to quit paying out these lawsuits with my taxpayer dollars. If I'm not the one that's beating the living shit out of people and killing them, I don't want to write a check for it. You take it from the pension funds of the police department. You take it from the police department's private stash fund. You don't take it from taxpayers. There's so many things we can do, like with gun ownership, that are simple solutions that don't take away guns or don't take away police officers from the streets. But man, there's a smarter way to own guns, and there sure is a smarter way to police. And this ain't it, y'all.
1: Yeah, maybe taking it out of the the police pensions would make some of those good apples speak up, which they um, rarely, I won't say never, but very rarely seem to do, even in the the case of the sex stuff, which is where I'll start. Um, you know, it wasn't some other cop who who turned them in. It was ultimately the mayor of that uh, town that got a, got a hold of some information and then went to the chief of, of police and said, hey, you got to investigate this, man. Um, it sounded like, you know, other cops were turning them in despite them knowing it was uh going on and you know i've said it a lot yeah it's not just the police killing people it's all kind of stuff i mean look up you know police shooting dogs or look up uh police beating their wives and you'll see cases every single week where 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 there's an officer here or there or somewhere that, that's doing that sort of stuff so uh, it's a culture thing and then when you know you have qualified immunity and you know it's um you know you're going to get put on paid leave or you're going to be able to transfer to another department then it creates a culture of Um, those good apples that everybody says are out there, you know, not stepping up to, uh, do anything. And then, yeah, in the case of, of Mr. Nichols, uh, that was appalling. And, um, you know, a couple of things stick out to me. One is that, you know, we still really don't know why he was pulled over. It's it's it. And why was some task force pulling him over? So these officers were part of a a task force. And I've talked a lot about the gun trace task force in Baltimore. Baltimore. Anytime you have, uh, Um, a small subsector of the police force that are given special privileges and are uh, given special tasks, you know, it further breeds that culture of, you know, we're untouchable, we're, um, you know, not able to be regulated, We're, we're here to do the regulating, whether or not that's um, inside or, or outside the law. I know they name themselves, you know, uh, things. Scorpion right? unit. Right, then why do you gotta be the Scorpion Union? Why can't you be like the protecting and serving Memphis unit, right? Like no, because like that's part of that whole culture thing, right? Like kicking down the doors. And I've talked about like the the police recruitment videos with the MRAP vehicles and like, you know, that's like the, the sort of culture they wanna permeate um, and perpetuate, I should say. Um, and, and then you you get an incident like this where it escalates so fast you can't even determine why. Like, why was he out of the... Why did they get him out of the car? Like, why did they start beating him immediately? And then, um you know, you have a gentleman here who, who's fearing for his life, and so no wonder he wants to take off. I mean, they're fucking kicking him, holding him up and taking turns kicking him in the head. I mean, running shots. I watched the video. Yeah, man. I watched um, it too. it crazy, and so... um. And then you see, I will bring race into it a little bit. You see these offers immediately terminated. I have to wonder if they were white, would they have been fired so so quickly? Um, sure. And then, last point I'd make is, is in their initial report to the, sure. uh, well, two other things I'd say. The initial report never is actually what happened, right, once you see the video. Um, and then, yeah, the contradictory commands. And also, it seems like they're trained to say things like, uh, he's going for my gun, or you know, he's got a gun, or something like that, because they know that they're on camera. It's not like they don't know they're on camera, right? They know the things to say to 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 leverage the the the, the system that's in place, that qualified immunity and things. Um, you know, to 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 so they know the things to say while they're while they're committing uh, atrocities like
0: that, and and no doubt that was an atrocity. Absolutely, absolutely. Um... Let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's talk alligator, catfish, and meat plants, Nick.
1: Let's do it. Um, Oh, shit. And then, yeah, we're going to have to wrap up. We've been going 40 minutes already. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, We told everybody last week this one would be (laughs) action-packed. Got all sorts of action going on.
1: (laughs) I'll try to make it quick. Uh, So we know that there's this uh, whole plant-based food movement. Uh, People are trying to eat less meat. Um, you want me health, to eat the
0: bugs right either I was going to say for, either for
1: health reasons or for climate reasons right we know that meat is energy intensive it generates a lot of carbon emissions methane emissions um, etc and at the same time we also know that uh, we're made we've made great progress in gene editing and things over the past couple of years so um, two quick stories that are worth you know keeping your um, keeping a, a pulse on or, or, or keeping your finger on just to see how they develop one is Um, we're trying to farm more fish because there's depleting sea stocks um and and there might not be enough you know wild seafood to to meet demand in the in the near future so uh, they've had success doing that with salmon but the second biggest crop of fish that's uh farmed is catfish the problem Mm. with that the problem with that is uh, when catfish are held in you know quasi-captivity or in a farming environment they develop um, this disease that um, ultimately they get, you know, lesions and sores on their skin and they die. So the, the people, you know, farming these catfish get um, the lose a portion of their crop. Right. Uh, and so these scientists and I read this in the MIT technology review, they took. Told a you gene, he was smart. They took a gene from uh, an out all- from an alligator uh, because alligators are resistant or immune to this disease that causes the lesion that the catfish are getting and so they spliced the alligator gene into the catfish to make them not get this disease to get the lesions right so we're putting alligator genes into catfish and then they were saying well we we don't want these fish to be able to reproduce because we don't know like what would happen basically we don't know what would happen because we've never done this before right this is like some science fiction shit um, and so they wanted the catfish to be sterile as well. And so, oh, god, uh, they're editing the gene that allows the catfish to reproduce. So they're putting in this alligator gene and they're making the the catfish sterile. And I just thought that was interesting, something that I'd be interested in keeping tabs on. Not sure I'd be wanting to eat without some serious study. Some, you know, catfish that have been fused with with alligator genes. I know alligators delicious. I know you like alligator. too. I but love I me some alligator, and I, I know, love me some catfish. I don't know if I like alligator in my catfish. <laughs> and then the other thing I was reading, and let me just click on that real quick so I get it right. There's this new company listed on the New York Stock Exchange called Molec Science, M-O-O-L-E-C. Uh, and this is on sort of the plant-based side of things. Already not don't like it. Right, so listen to <laughs> this. You know how we've got, you know, we've got Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers and they're not doing that well because the texture's not great and it's expensive. Well, this company, Mulek Science, is inserting pork and beef genes into soybeans and peas so that the plants have actual meat-based protein because they've got, as I just said, beef and pork genes in the plants. So now we're putting meat genes from domesticated um, farm animals into plants. Um, uh, that's it. That's Those were the two stories I, I wanted to talk about. And that's a publicly traded company, Mulek Science.
0: It's a bizarro, bizarro world out there, folks. That's why we titled this Investing in Bizarro World many, many years ago. This was a great session, Nick. We promised a longer episode this week. Um, I'm supposed to remind you all to make sure that you check us out at dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to never miss our updates and all of our market commentary. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode number 204 of our weekly therapy session that we call Bizarro World, investing in Bizarro World. Mr. Hyde, send us off. It was
1: good meeting some of the listeners in uh, Vancouver. Uh, Thanks for for listening and continue to do so. Have a great week. See you. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one and share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this
0: one. Thanks for watching.